football is back and the world-famous Superbook Sports is ready for all the gridiron action. Looking for a place to catch the game? Head up the hill to the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk and experience the thrill of the games live on one of our 28 state-of-the-art TVs. Superbook Sports has all of the amenities you could ever want in a traditional sports book. Good food, tasty beverages, and the best view in Blackhawk. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By, Presented by Superbook Sports. On your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day, your busy schedule with me here on the podcast, reacting to one of the great performances we have ever seen, not just from Nikola Jokic, although that is simultaneously true, but one of the great regular season performances in NBA history. That is not hyperbole or hyperbolic, I should say. Nikola Jokic, a 46-point triple-double in which 30 of the 46 come in the fourth quarter or overtime. It was historic. The first time ever in an NBA game that someone recorded uh, a a triple-double with uh, at least 40 points, with at least 10 rebounds, with at least 10 assists, with at least three steals, and with at least four blocks. Ever, ever, ever. And really, that, 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 that uh, four-block mark is really three. So it was the first time ever you had a 40-10-10-3-3 game. Let me say that just one more time. It was the first time in NBA history that there was a 40-point, 10-rebound, 10-assist, 3-steal, three 3-rebound three game. It, you just cannot make it up. And it was uh, ultimately 46, 12, and 11. So he's smashing through those thresholds of, you know, 40 point. No, he had 46. A 10 rebound. No, he had 12. 10 assists. No, he had 11. Uh, three blocks. No, he had four. So just historic in the literal sense of the word. And it's just a, another installment and maybe one of the biggest yet that we've seen of the basketball masterclass of Nikola Jokic. He has mastered a game. Now, that's not to say that he's perfect. No one's, there, there's no such thing as the perfect basketball player. But I'm not so sure this is one of the closest renditions to perfection we've ever seen in the history of NBA basketball. And the fact that he put his team that was down double figures with three and change left across an overtime finish line in which he knocks down free throws to get there in which he hits deep threes, in which he hits mid-range shots, in which he scores around the basket. Like Nikola Jokic's three-level scoring was on full display in the fourth quarter and overtime. Truly, uh, just killing people down low. The mid-range shot uh, to go up six in overtime to basically seal the game when there was like 30, 35 seconds left. In overtime, he hit a deep three uh, at the end of the shot clock. It's just one of these things. Oh, and, and he had dunks. Like, what What 
possibly does Nikola Jokic not do? It's just brilliance personified in 43 minutes of action to score 46, 12, 11, 3, and 4. He was 11 to 12 from the line. He got to the stripe. Uh, he, his, his field goal percentage was off the charts, 16 of 22, 3 of 5 from 3. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm at a loss. And, you know, when you cover um, someone like Nicola um, as closely as, as we cover him here on the podcast, or just you don't need to be covering just as a fan, um, when, when you are expecting greatness on a regular basis the way that we now do with Nicola, and then he still finds a way to blow you away. He finds a way to take your breath away. He finds a way to have you stumble over different adjectives in which you're trying to describe what you just saw. He still is doing that to us. And the expectation is MVP level. And he's surpassing it. Now, was it the greatest performance of Jokic's career? I think it's in the discussion. I think it's in the discussion. And which is crazy is if you have like a 40-point triple-double, um, it's probably the greatest night of your life. It's, it's Nicola's second 40-point triple-double this season. Like this year. And we talked about it earlier in the season. And I think it was in the month of uh, January where he had a 49-14-10 and 10 game uh, against the Clippers in an overtime win. A narrow, a narrow, I forget the score, but it was a narrow overtime win. But I remember it was 49 points, 14 rebounds, and, and 10 assists. And it's one of these things where we can never take this for granted. This is insane. This is insane. And, and I was talking about this uh, on the radio a little bit earlier today. And we've had the same, we, we, we were having the same type of conversations about Michael Porter Jr. Um, before he got hurt that, um, and, and hopefully we didn't jinx them, but it's one of these things where there's like this conversation piece. You can call it a narrative if you want, but like there's this conversation piece. It's, it's a, it, and I'm not going to use word um, narrative here because this was true. Okay. This wasn't a spun narrative. This was just true. Um, with, uh, and, and I brought up Michael Porter Jr. I'll, I'll use the small micro example now. Um, coming out of college, it was just the, the injury stuff. That's all we talked about with Michael. Um, and, and then he just played so many healthy games in a row over the course of two seasons. It just kind of stopped becoming a topic. Now, of course, where we're at now, it's very, you know, relevant, prevalent, you know, center stage, that conversation once again. Um, but it's one of those things where I would say it's going to be mentioned um, until it's not. And the only way for it not to be mentioned is if the opposite is just true over and over and over and over and over again. The same thing has happened with Jokic in one specific regard. Jokic, up until about the 2018-19 season, I want to say, the the topic with Nikola was, it wasn't like you you, you weren't sure if Nikola Jokic could go out there and give you a triple-double. Like, we, we all knew that. We, we all knew that he was um, a young, really talented player that was, from a basketball standpoint, wise beyond his years and, you just did it so differently. But the big question was, when is he going to accept that he has got to be that guy every single night? And Jokic would have nights where he just like wouldn't shoot the basketball. He just he would have nights where he looked disinterested. Um, 
you know, it was all part of this larger, broader conversation with Jokic, and we wondered whether he'd ever cross through that threshold. When's the last time we had a conversation like that? I, I was actually just reminded of it myself, just in my own brain earlier today. Like, wow, we haven't had those discussions in years. And we, and we, 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 uh, before the injury, we would have those discussions with Jamal Murray. It's like, yeah, you have all star capability, but the thing that separates you from all star and really good player is just the night to night basis of it all. And it seemed like Jamal was really turning a corner, uh, in, in that sense. Um, and then unfortunately, the, the injury happened. But Jokic, when I pay a ticket to go to Ball Arena, I know what I'm going to get every single night. So although statistically uh, Sunday night against the Pelicans is just this like eye-opener and he's so clutch, I almost halfway expect it. And I know that that's like almost like getting greedy. Um, definitely don't mean to come across like that, but I was blown away, but yet not stunned, if that makes sense. He's that dude, guys. He is that freaking dude. And this entire city, state, and us collectively as basketball fans should just just appreciate it. Just appreciate it because this is what we're watching right now is historic in every sense. In every sense. This guy is going to go down as one of the greatest players we've ever seen. We were talking about that 75th anniversary team and how Jokic was going to be a shoe-in for when they did it, the 100 Top 100. I'm not so sure if they did that 75 anniversary team two years from now that Jokic wouldn't be on it. For real. For real. Uh, he's, he's that good. And, and statistically, from the raw stats uh, to the advanced data, Nikola Jokic is having a bona fide MVP season. In fact, we have seen in the last 24 hours, and I'm recording this on Monday afternoon, just got off the air, <clears throat> about to lose my voice, um... We saw a shift in the MVP odds that Jokic became just a little bit more likely to win it. It's really a two-horse race, and it, there's no one else close. Uh, according to our friends at Superbook, the proud sponsor of this podcast, uh, Joel Embiid is uh, minus 110. All right, so it's like a, a, a coin flip for uh, Embiid. Um, and then right behind him is Jokic, 3-2. to two. The next after is Giannis, 13-2. to two. That, that that should just uh, then John Morant fourteen to two, Demar Derozan twenty to one. Those guys don't have a chance to really win unless something goes haywire and and knock on wood, their injury happened. These guys don't play at all. It's going to be Embiid or Jokic. And and by the way, and I know no one wants to hear this, and, and but I'm going to say it anyway. Embiid's having a great season. Okay, he really is. He is having a tremendous season. And if he does in fact win the MVP. Finishing second, although we'll want him to win. Do you guys know how big of a deal that is? Like, if you're, like, runner-up to win the MVP, uh, of course you know, but I just want to put it in park for a second and talk about it. Because when you talk about when you're going to put his resume up there among the all-time greats when it's all said and done, he already finished fourth in the MVP voting before he ever won the damn thing. So you got a top-five finish, you got a winner of the award, and now you're going to have the runner-up for the award I said this after he got the MVP uh, last season. Expect, and me and others, I'm not like on an island here. Expect Nikola Jokic to be in the MVP discussion for eight to nine years here moving forward. 
And eventually, you're going to stack up even years that you don't win it. And maybe it's maybe it's a year like this year. Even the years that you don't win it, you're going to stack up like he finished fourth in MVP there, finished runner up there. He won it that year. He finished third that year. Like there's going to be like a stretch of a decade like that. Fully expecting it. Fully expecting it. And um, I have here, uh, if you were to just compare like the raw numbers, like Embiid averages more points a game than Nikola. Uh, uh, you know, by a few. Embiid averages like 29 and a half points a game. Jokic is uh, 26 points a game. Okay, so he averages three points more. Okay? That's noteworthy, right? You want to give props. Like, let's not tear down these other guys in an effort to build Nikola up. That's incredible. Like, Embiid's leading the league in scoring. That's a big freaking deal. Okay? He's averaging 29 and a half. So, he's averaging 30, right? If, if Jokic was averaging 29 and a half, we'd say he's averaging 30. You round up. That's incredible. But when it comes to rebounds per game, Jokic has the edge. When it comes to assists per game, Jokic has the edge. When it comes to steals per game, Jokic has the edge. Uh, Field goal percentage, Jokic has the edge. Two-point percentage, three-point percentage, Jokic has the edge. Three-point makes, Jokic has the edge. You want to look at advanced stats. uh, Effective field goal percentage, Jokic has the edge. Uh, True shooting percentage, Jokic has the edge. Rebound percentage, assist percentage, steal percentage, Jokic, Jokic, Jokic. PR, Jokic, win share, Jokic, uh, plus minus, Jokic. Uh, It's, again, there's, it's not that there's not a case for Embiid. There is. He's having an incredible season. But if you cast a vote for Jokic last year, can you cast one for Embiid instead of Jokic this year? That's tough. Now, it may come down to seeding because Philly, you know, they're, they're playing great. They've won seven of the last ten. They're in the, they're in the two seed. They're actually tied with Milwaukee there. Uh, but they're in the two seed. If the, if, if, if the, nugget, the Nuggets are really going to have to make some hay in that department, but it may come down to um, if people are, like, breaking the tie, it may come down to Philly, you know, Having a better record, having better seating, and let's not crap on the East now. East is, you know, very good. Um, you know, that used to be kind of, you know, weighed more heavily. And well, he plays in the Eastern Conference. Well, Eastern Conference is pretty damn good, right? You got the Heat, Sixers, and Bucks, and Bulls, and Celtics. And what a win for the Celtics uh, in primetime on Sunday over the Nets. Tatum was great. So many great young players in this league right now. But Jokic might be uh, leading that class. So. Again, if Jokic doesn't win the MVP this year, let's kind of keep our heads and still understand um, just how incredible of a season that it really was. And it's not getting the fanfare. Again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and spend a half hour why you know Stephen A. Smith or Max Kellerman or Nick Wright should be talking more about the Nuggets. You turned on Get Up and you know the debate shows, and it was about you know the Nets loss, and it's about you know. Um, is LeBron's big performance you know, you know resparked the late stuff like that? Okay, that's that's just that 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 that's my expectation. Um, anything else than that is a departure from that expectation. So I'm not going to let it drive me crazy. But uh, if the Nuggets continue to win games and Jokic keeps doing this, I mean they've they've won. What are we talking about here? Uh, I know they won eight of their last ten, but two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They've won eleven of their last thirteen. And then tonight, and, and I was thinking about just waiting and recording on, on Tuesday um, 
the way that we do so often here on the podcast. But I just wanted to do like a Jokic just centric episode briefly here. Uh, I'm not going to go too much longer because um, we'll come back and record again tomorrow and react to you know the b- bizarre nature of the Warriors game at home here tonight. Um, you know, Warriors, you know, Steve Kerr, lot to say. Not going to. You know, you know, bring the big minute guys, and so we'll see. We'll see how Mike Malone uh, handles uh, the Warriors game. Mike Malone also, I want to say this about the game against New Orleans. He's got to know better uh, than to get kicked out the way that he did. He could have. We could have been look, looking back at this one as a game that Mike Malone just blew, um, just getting um, so frustrated and in the moment and. When you can't control your emotions as a coach, that wasn't like a, I'm going to stick up for my guys. I'm going to get kicked out of here um, purposefully. It didn't didn't feel like that. Feel like he like legit just fr- flipped out. Uh, he could have cost the team, and he's got to know better. And from an accountability standpoint, when it's an ejection like that, you know how, how does how are you supposed to tell you know Boogie Cousins to stay under control? Who once again got a technical last night? It may be his worst game as a Nugget. Um, he was hard to watch. But how can you tell him, hey, you got to stay under control when, when you can't stay under control yourself and you're getting kicked out of games and it could have cost them. So Jokic kind of bailed, um, bailed Mike Malone out. Um, uh, and, and Adelman did a great job there um, in relief, putting Jokic back in the game early. I, and I'm not going to say because I'm not claiming to remember every single game, but I don't remember a game where Jokic checked back into the game that early. Uh, over 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I think they were down seven at the time. And I don't know if that was communicated from Mike Malone. Um, if Mike Malone would have done that anyway, we were just talking about this on the air. You know, we just don't see Mike Malone do that a lot. So was that Adelman's call? Was that a directive somehow, some way through Mike Malone? I, I don't know, but it was the right freaking call, I'll tell you that. Um, so... Uh, you know, pressing the right buttons there, and then and then just uh, uh, another note here uh, on on Aaron Gordon, who I just thought was just tremendous. Now he struggled from three; most of that was earlier in the game. Uh, but for him to flip a switch and say, "I am going to be the best athlete on the floor," and I'm, I'm going to act like it because I am the best athlete on the floor. Um, and and we've we've talked uh, you know periodically here about Aaron Gordon. Most of it's been super positive. I love his fit with the Nuggets. Love the Nuggets fit with him. The, the, the best thing for Aaron Gordon's career might be coming here at Denver playing side-by-side side with Jokic. Because um, you're seeing the best version of that guy. For him to finish with 28 points, he was plus 10. To get to the free throw line 15 freaking times, that is a direct correlation to your level of assertion. But the game didn't start like that. And it looked like he like flipped a switch and was like, F it. And, and we've talked... Um, here on the podcast uh, periodically about Gordon, how that some of that slam dunk contest athleticism doesn't really translate as well or as often, rather, as it should. Um, and, man, it was on display. Uh, I mean, how many dunks did he have? Seriously, five with multiple and ones and even, even plays where he didn't finish. He's going up to dunk it, and he's getting fouled. Uh, and even one of those resulted in an and one that, you know, it wasn't a dunk. But he was just freaking flying around and so damn fun to watch. And you see in the way he plays angles, there was one play there in the second half where it's almost like he looked like he crept out of bounds and came from like behind the stanchion of the hoop. But he's, he's reading those angles like, oh, there's an empty pocket of space directly under the rim that's not accounted for. Let me sneak baseline. And, of course, Jokic finds him and finishes the layup. I thought he was great. If you take away those five threes, because he was 0 for 5. It's obviously ugly. 
Um, but if you take away those five threes, and I know you can't, but just play the game, he, he would have been 9 for 12 from the field. So you, you, to, to go with 10 of 15 from the line. And he also collected eight rebounds and had a few assists. So um, I thought it was a, a really good game for, for uh, Aaron Gordon. And, and, and give Monte Morris credit, too. Finishes with 18 points, uh, 50% shooting, uh, two of six from three, but a big clutch shot down the stretch again. Uh, so Monte has sort of been Johnny on the spot here in the last couple of weeks in terms of big, big plays um, or big shots rather, and for him to have you know the eight assists to the to the two turnovers is that is that assist to ratio that uh, Monte Morris has been you know cranking out since he was in college. So uh, Mike, J Mike was good. I mean, for him to be ten and eight in nineteen minutes, he's played so much better here in the last couple of weeks uh, than he was earlier in the season where he looked like the worst version of himself. Um, and then Austin Rivers, who you know didn't score, but if you watch the game, this is and, and this is the classic uh, box score thing. If you didn't watch the game and you looked at the box score, you'd say, "Oh, Austin Rivers played like absolute trash." Um, no, it wasn't the case. In the 24 minutes, I thought he was solid and defensively down the stretch of the game. I thought he was um, thought he was really good. Thought he was really good. So, uh, hope Will Barton uh, is feeling all right. I don't know that, that ankle. We'll keep an eye on. He's not going to play against the Warriors. Um, haven't seen. Again, I just got off the air, so I haven't seen a report um, on Will Barton farther than tonight. So we'll uh, we'll update that conversation uh, tomorrow. And by the way, real quick, just on the way out, how fun was Brandon Ingram to watch? I, I know he's doing it against the Nuggets, so you you, you kind of you know wince, but golly, that that guy has turned himself into such a player. And 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 that's like you know kind of the Lakers in a nutshell is like they draft that guy. That guy um, turned himself from like a nine point a game rookie to over 18 points a game. And, you know, the Lakers got to do what the Lakers got to do. And that's make the trade for the Stars, and they ship that guy off. That's a move that the Nuggets would never make. If they drafted Brandon Ingram, he is a hometown guy. He's seeing a second contract. Um, But the Lakers, they just got to do what they got to do to to be the Lakers and get that that star power. And whether that's D'Angelo Russell and bailing on him or – and not that you're bailing on him because you're using him as trade pieces, but it's just such a different way of doing business. Uh, business. Uh, but that guy has turned himself into a freaking bona fide NBA scorer. Um, and, and particularly in that first half, man, he was a freaking witch. Uh, really, really good. Really fun. All right. Uh, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, the Nuggets are now 12 games above 500. Incredible. Jokic. The other cast of characters, man, you tip your hat to all of them. Nuggets remain in the, in the sixth seed. Uh, got the Warriors on deck. And then uh, who knows how that thing looks like on, on Monday night with the availability of not sure who yet. Uh, and then uh, midweek on Wednesday, the team will travel to Sacramento. And then the very next day, hit Golden State uh, on Thursday. So really quick turnarounds here. Uh, you got Monday against Golden State, Wednesday against Sacramento, the next night on uh, uh, against Golden. Uh, wait, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got Golden State, Sacramento, Golden State on Thursday again, and then uh, Toronto on Saturday, and then you turn around and play on Monday and Wednesday. I mean, it's it's like bang, 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 bang. So we'll see how Mike Malone uh, handles um, Jokic and the rest of the group uh, on Monday night, and then the rest of the week moving forward. All right, uh, the rest of the week for you, I hope you have a great week. I appreciate you being here. As always, please tell a friend about this podcast. Subscribe to it. It's the best way you can support 
me and uh, and this pop. So thank you for being here. Say uh, a big time win for uh, Jokic and the Nugs. See if they can get three in a row on Monday night against the Warriors. And you know whatever happens against the Warriors. We're going to be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Football is back and the world-famous Superbook Sports is ready for all the gridiron action. Looking for a place to catch the game? Head up the hill to the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk and experience the thrill of the games live on one of our 28 state-of-the-art TVs. Superbook Sports has all of the amenities you could ever want in a traditional sports book. Good food, tasty beverages, and the best view in Blackhawk. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help.